Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 3, these being the words of Marcus Tullius Cicero, is over. But here in Post Show Recaps, we're just getting started with the fall of Rome. My name is Grace, but of course I'm not alone. I'm here with DM Philly. Philly, how you doing? I'm so good, Grace. I love the fall of Rome. Uh, I just have so much fun like thinking about Rome all the time, talking about Rome on all these other podcasts, letting people know that we are doing the fall of Rome. It's just, uh, it's a good time. I'm having a good time. It is very fun. The show's pretty good. The show's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, another fun uh episode. Um I, I liked this one. What did you make of these being the words of Marcus Tullius Cicero? And before you answer, I'm just gonna remind people to subscribe to posturecaps.com slash run. Okay, I, the episode. Yeah. I love the words of Marcus Tullius Cicero. I gotta say, this guy David Bamber, who plays Cicero, uh-huh. uh, especially like the the towards the end of the episode, that little scene that he has, he just has this energy that is like so transportive. Yeah. Uh-huh. It feels a great deal. I think I've said this a few times, like there's something very theatrical about the show. I think that there's the Shakespearean element that you, you like inherently are drawn to when we're watching a story about Romans uh, mm-hmm. dudes jumping around in togas. We get the two brute, but not entirely. And there's something like a stage presence that he has. There's just this like eccentricity that he brings to the character and the way that he plays it, these little facial expressions, his movements, the way his whole like body kind of moves. There are some actors that really like i just fixate on as i watch them perform and this guy absolutely raptured me this episode i've I've enjoyed cicero up until now but there's such a weird energy to him so in his titular episode i just felt the need to like stop down and highlight david bamber as marcus tullius cicero it's like such a weird performance and i'm so so here for it grace yeah he's uh been around the whole time has he been like super you know in involved in everything not really until he gets looped into sort of um the world of of brutus and, so, and well, everyone else had to die for him to kind of like float up in the tide you know probably. he's yeah. also the guy at the beginning right who like has to be convinced and then mark antony doesn't veto and he's like veto you fool veto right that's Cicero, right Earlier? he's the moderate yes yeah yes yeah. he's yeah. like the moderate that they have to pull over to the middle for caesar's yeah. home mover yes so he's yeah. he's been around for a while but um I, I really liked the choice of like i'm gonna fake sick and then i'll have a man read my words and i'll scramble out of the city is that Man gets 
feet up. It's very funny. I like that. Um, all right, let's talk about these being the words of Marcus Tullius Cicero. Uh, apologies. It's a that's a it's a mouthful of a title. The episode titles for season two, I've looked ahead a little bit. They're forgive me, dear listener. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole lot of Latin floating around yeah. in those episode titles. I'm like downloading episode. Duolingo. I'm like Latin, Latin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, mm-hmm. recently on the Winter King, Arthur yeah. goes to uh, the kingdom of Powis Grace, okay. which I know you know from Crusader Kings. Yes. But uh, and and ultimately, somebody's like, you know, Arthur, you really need to learn Latin. Let me teach oh. you Latin. Uh, so maybe we need to go on like the King Arthur Latin Tutor School. He goes to Powell. Isn't that Welsh? Isn't he in Welsh country? Isn't that? Uh, yes, yes. Oh, he's coming huh. from. Uh, where is he going? He's he's coming from Caracadarn in. Uh, oh. oh God, I'll remember later. I'm in Rome mode. No, I'm not okay. thinking of Britain. All right, no, don't do. No, yeah, yeah, don't. Yeah. Then you're also yeah. in Wheel of Time. Those are fictional places. Oh my so. God, Randland! Yeah. I got a whole analogy mm-hmm. happening. I've created a map on a slice yeah. of bread that has yeah. transcended the podcast, Grace. Yeah. I don't even know what world I'm in anymore. All right, well, let me introduce the newsreader. We'll get us back into Rome. Romeland? Is that good? That's not. Yeah, that's it doesn't rhyme. Yeah, all Romeland, right. coming all right. soon to Florida near you, 2024. <laughs> Romeland. All right. Uh, the newsreader is here. All right. Greetings to all and welcome to another edition of HBO's Rome. First, turmoil in the Aventine. Varenus, the new leader of the Aventine, is confronted by Carbo, who seeks vengeance for an alleged defilement of his young nephew. Pulo, a voice of reason, proposes more moderate solution, but Varenus dismisses the idea. Gaia, a figure of desire and intrigue, weaves her way through the Aventine's complexities, and Octavia, daughter of Atia, experiments with exotic pleasures from Macedonia. Atia issues a warning to her daughter about her social choices. Varenus faces a moral dilemma as Aventine slides into chaos. Jero, Atia's assistant, is summoned by Servilia, who inquires about Atia's survival. Agrippa, Octavian's messenger, introduces himself to Octavia and Atia, and Atia contemplates her son's rebellious action and a threat to reveal secrets. Pulo and Varenas engage in a fierce confrontation, unearthing painful truths. Cassius seeks supports for his rebellion, even admits disturbing requests, and Brutus, haunted by his action, seeks purification in a river. Antony faces Cicero's eloquent condemnation in the Senate. Cicero leaves Rome, seeking Octavian support as Antony's power wanes, and the Aventine falls further into chaos as violence escalates. Duro, in service to Servilia, takes a disturbing turn as he poisons Atia, or at least he tries. Pulo and Irene, escaping the Aventine's destruction, stumble upon an old friend. Lydie returns, bearing a precious message about Varenus's missing children. They are alive. And so, dear Romans, this is what happens on these being the words of Marcus Tullius Cicero. Yeah. Hand. It's often like a sweeping hand motion that I really yes. like from Ian yes. McNeese. Yeah. Yeah. He does um, these cool dabs and stuff yeah. like this. I yeah. like when uh, the pushing scoops. down. Yeah. Scoops yes. and, and down like a, it's, it's a forceful statement. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. he scoops and then he grabs at the end and then when yeah. he drives up, that's my yeah. other favorite one. <laughs> He's really good. In another life, he'd make a great mime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too true, too yeah. true. Uh, um, like like you, Stephen Fishback. Yeah, yeah. Where do you want to start, Rich? What's the what's the story you would most like to dive into as we kick things off with episode three of season two? There's so much good stuff here, Grace, but I think that we should start at a very nonsensical beginning of uh, Octavia smoking hemp <laughs> with her friend in the, in the living room. Jocasta. Yeah, Jocasta. What's her name again? What's Jocasta. her name? Oh, right. Yeah, right, right, yeah. right. Uh, as Atia comes in and is like, I'm very tolerant. I don't mind you bringing a merchant's daughter back in here, but let's leave it at that. No How actors. Is it? How is the no hemp? gladiators. Though? How is it? Oh, Can I try? Hemp. Shall I try? It's good hemp. It's good mm-hmm. hemp. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I do. I do like this. And this being a bit of an impetus here for um, uh, Atia to convince Antony to make a little bit of a of a move. Um, although it's not really a move. It's just that Atia doesn't want to live in Macedonia because she hears all these bad things from Jocasta that then Cicero thinks is a power play for Mark Antony, which it's not. I don't know. I, I guess this is up to interpretation, Rich, whether or not you think that this everything that happens here again, I think it's like very expertly intertwined is that they're like, no, we're not giving you Gaul, like defeating Gaul. And then like marching back to Rome is exactly how Caesar got into power. I see what you're doing. And I feel like he can't say like, no, that's not what I'm doing. Cause it's such an, and like, you know, you know, he's admitting weakness to a degree. He's mm -hmm. also going to be like, no, no, I just, I just, the weather is much better in Gaul. I don't know. Is this, do you, is there anything I, to me? The episode reads out like Atia doesn't want to live in Macedonia. So Mark Antony tries to convince Cicero not to have him go to Macedonia and live in Gaul. And he thinks it's this move that he's trying to make to become dictator of Rome. I think in a lot of ways, like similarly to episode one, like Atia inadvertently creates an absolute like shitstorm for everybody because of like her small needs here. I think it's like precisely that in the in the sense one that, woman being like it's it has no culture, Macedonia. It's brute. It's just like it's well, so far from can't Rome, go there. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. uh, and like he just gets manipulated. She creates her own disaster. I mean, in this maneuver, she's pitting like her lover against her son, and like. <laughs> It's yeah. such like a total disaster. She creates her own problem like entirely. And I think that this is so, I mean, I'm like projecting a little bit on the, the people that I know, like Atia in this 21st century grace that like just create their own problems in this way through like the drama and like their over fixations on things. But I think that that's pretty accurate, right? Like part of it is ultimately her getting in Anthony's head of like, mm -hmm. once you're in Macedonia, they're going to come and try to kill you don't you don't fool yourself your enemies they're only weak because you're right here bearing down on top of them you've not given them a chance to like get their feet situated and if you do it's all gonna come tumbling down and the way that he responds to it of like this small thing you know like his his girlfriend is like asking for a favor and it creates this gigantic problem it's so tremendous i really yeah. love it and then it all like spirals out of like this nonsense hemp fest in the beginning with jacasa it's really interesting grace i think like this is some of the stronger writing in this episode i think there's a little bit more stuff that i'm critical of so far in season two right mm. we're, we're using certain elements that i think we'll talk about that i don't love as much but this is really elegant writing that i thought threaded the needle quite well yeah, so it sort of culminates in, yeah, Mark Antony tries to convince Cicero, like, you need to make a motion in the Senate so that I don't have to live in Macedonia, I'll live in Gaul. And he's like, uh, I love the scene between Cicero and Mark Antony, where he's it's like, so wild. I'm yeah. not going to say yes, would you like to try threatening me? And so he's like, he does threaten him, and he's like, okay, I've like heard, I will do it, and then pulls the rug out from under him as he... Um, so Mark Anthony is late to Senate. This part's great as well. And he's like, ah, I see I'm not the only one who's tardy. And I was like, well, Cicero is sick. And he's like, well, he does have a pretty important edict to deliver. Shall I have him carried to the Senate floor? And they're like, no, he actually sent along his, his message. I'll read it out. And then the reading of the message that basically calls you know mark antony everything that anybody's ever wanted to call mark antony um, he's the helena of troy of yeah. rome i can't yeah. even believe it grace uh there's so much slander in there the guy who's got to read the scroll it's like yeah. buddy 
I know he keeps telling you to go on, but like, look, you know, look at what his body is telling you, not what his words are saying. (laughs) But he, uh, like, as he's like reading it and thinks it's a pretty normal, it's going to be a pretty normal edict. And then as he like realizes that it's like the way that I love it because the, I watch everything with closed captioning, like everything I watch. Me too. Yeah. I got to watch the closed captioning. We must be podcasters. Yeah. It it like repeats the lines. He has to read because he's like stumbling and just starting again to try and like almost like rev up his engine to like deliver these words to Mark Antony who's standing in front of him. And then he does get the hell beat out of him. Uh, The Helen of Troy beat out of him. He sure does get the Helen of Troy beat out of him. That scene with Cicero and Anthony, it's like absolutely incredible. I mean, that's what I'm talking about with this actor. He's doing such eccentric stuff, like the way he's playing with that energy, which is like palpably uncomfortable as as Anthony is going to water the bushes in like the uh, atrium there at AT's house. Like, it's so overwhelming and the way that Cicero plays it of like, "Could could you please go ahead and just like make the threat? I prefer if I'm going to be coerced to at least have the threat spoken aloud I don't like to capitulate to just implications <laughs> like when Mark Anthony actually does it which is like still such a veiled threat right he's yeah. not like actively like I will kill you Cicero you know yeah. and Cicero's response is literally thank you <laughs> like, thank you thank you for that uh, and then like you are you are right though the weather the weather in Macedonia it is terrible. There's just something like riveting about this entire scene. And it speaks back to like Anthony in the way that he uses these very kind of base human interactions, like these simple things like his nudity to like change the power dynamic in these conversations. You know? This is beside him. He does yep. this yes, beside Cicero. Yeah. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought this was pretty, pretty strong here. Um, yeah, I do like Cicero being, yeah, yeah, this, the weather is bad in, in Macedonia. Wow, real Macedonia slander this episode. I know, I know the poor Macedonians, you know, Mark Anthony seemed like really fine to go there. That's the other like actual sad part of all this, Mm -hmm. that Atia is basically like, uh, oh, you idiot, you idiot. You've got a wolf by the ears. There's a bunch of like really great little lines in Mm -hmm. here. You can't let go of them now. You know, he's like, I don't care about any of this. I just want peace and relaxation. I want to go to a nice back province and like squeeze the coin out of it, live the rest of my days in peace and quiet, you know, to think like she could have had you know she just like thrives in the drama grace that's what i'm saying where i'm projecting onto Adam. this woman is not yeah. happy unless she's in like the eye of the storm as it were she could have retired to macedonia on like a fat pension off the roman senate mark anthony would have been like living like high on the lamb he seems to have real simple needs this man at this stage of his life now that like caesar's off the board um at least the first one but you know yeah, I mean, um, I I know people who it feels like they can't be happy with a like they, they want to complain and and there's no solution to problems, right? It's just uh, you know, yes. negativity, gossip, you know, yes. chaos is a ladder. Yeah, she definitely thrives in this situation. So this is going to lead Cicero is going to to go see the new Caesar, Octavian. So he's going to um He's going to um, uh, move out, and he needs uh, his his army. Um, uh, do we get the the newsreader? Doesn't he? Does he announce? No, he, does he announce? Is anything with the? What's the? I think what's interesting here is basically 
you have this conflict between Antony and Octavian set up in this season and Octavian has left and he's amassing his, his army outside. And you think this is the perfect opportunity for Mark Antony to be able to, you know, do what, you know, you need to do as like the console of Rome and, uh, and assemble power. And yet it fails pretty tremendously here um, in a way that doesn't feel great in terms of his, um, his ability to now, now it seems like he's going to have to like confront Octavian without this is like the play early on with Pompey being like, if we show Caesar that he doesn't have the Senate against him, it's like one less thing in his toolbox. Right. And so it's kind of the same thing here. We're like, but it's not because Octavian makes some ploy. It's just Mark Antony's nope. own incompetence that like means he doesn't have the backing of the rest of the Senate. Yeah. I mean, it's really, I, I don't know. I don't mean to like misproject here. It is Mark Anthony's incompetence, but it's not even his incompetence. It's like his rage, right? Because yeah. there's the element of like, they dress him down in the Senate. So Cicero like doesn't make the proclamation, which to your point, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. Like yeah. he is still the consul of Rome. He's not actually having any power stripped from him. They're just not giving him gall. And Cicero is like publicly humiliating him, but it's the next like event there. It is him like beating this poor like surrogate reader to death that is going to like drive everyone out of the senate yeah, like, they leave they're like in this position yeah they all like flee and so now he you would think like there's a way that he could play that like spin that into a better position but at this stage of the game like yeah he's just ostracized himself he's lost like all power in rome at this point he's pissed off all the people because he didn't give him the money that caesar promised when he dropped dead right like yeah. octavian has the like proles on his side in that way so it's all really fascinating and then you know you circle it back again to Atia of like Anthony sitting on the couch like no he's family I won't hurt him don't sweat it it's not even a problem you know don't worry about Octavian he's family I'm not gonna F with him I'm not gonna like give him any trouble you know but it it because of like Atia's like stirring the drink here, Grace, like it all just activates into this big churning pool of chaos that is going to leave Mark Anthony like driven to falling back to Gaul to reassemble his legions by the end, right? Yeah. So we have Cicero. He's going to go. He's accepting Octavian's offer, basically, of help um, that he'll come and support him. So, in fact, potentially, Octavian does have the support of the Senate. In the meantime, you, there's not much in this episode, but we do get a couple of scenes here with Cassius and, and Brutus. I have to say, Tobias Menzi, I've never really, it's astonishing. I feel like I've never seen him sport a beard. He looks, he's got a little beard going on. So, I loved him. Yeah, yeah, I loved him. He's really sad in the beginning. Drunk Brutus is like really sad as he's like getting mad at all these dudes that they're I trying to I killed Caesar. I killed Caesar. Yeah. I love that guy. Like, sounds very brave. Maybe I'll go find a corpse and stab it too. <laughs> That's a good line. That's a good oh, yeah, line. Absolutely nuts. And just to, like go back to like the Cicero thing too. Cicero's letter to like Caesar at the end as he's like riding away, like I've exposed Anthony for the yeah. debauched rat that he is. You know, uh, there's something like so ridiculously mustache twirly about Cicero's whole maneuver here that I just yeah. love it. But yeah, yeah uh, Brutus and and Cassius like often like foreign lands trying to accumulate money. I do love like the last scene Tobias Menzies in like the cool road going down to the river he looks pretty fantastic as he asks to like uh be born again under janice or whatever i do love a little like uh you know water cleansing moment uh appreciate so, it. 
yeah. Janice, like I've been uh, really interested in a bunch of these gods again. Like I love the way he just like invokes this name. I think there's something interesting just phonetically from Janice to Jesus in terms of also the way that like he's baptizing himself. This is right. a like very standard by the book kind of Christian baptism thing that he's doing out here in the river, Grace. Like he's doing the dunk, but Janice is ultimately the god of beginnings, of transition, of duality. Uh, Janice is about like there's two faces it's this two-faced god and so he's asking for like this rebirth he wants to be made again he wants to like have a new life there's clearly like the shame that has like ground him down that's this anchored this albatross that he's carrying around his neck since the murder of julius caesar and it's and it's effed up the poor guy's head and i think like for somebody i go back to servilia who's a character that i loved so much and was so like high on early on and i still love her in the way that like she's making things happen but she is like irrevocably destroyed this man um and this is him like trying to put himself back together again a little bit and like equip himself to move forward i just found it really interesting and again like i love this use of the roman deities without having to do like a deep dive explanation of it you know there's a little bit of like you know, you and I are like doing a lot of Googling and researching and even just sitting down to talk every day when we record. We learn a lot about all of this stuff. And I think it's such a clever way to write stories that are a little bit outside of like the typical like contemporary historical stuff where there's more information there if you want to go seek it out and it can like inspire you to learn more. But they're not necessarily going to try to like drown you in all the subtext of every little statement and and name that they throw out right one of um, my favorite things about the gods rich is how many things like you know we gotta like divvy out everything do you think there was like a draft where they're like that you know it's like all right it's the seventh round of the deity draft uh janice you're on the clock he's like not much left. I think I'll take uh, I'll take doorways. I'll take doorways. <laughs> Have you ever he seen the God uh, of Doorways? Bill and Ted's uh-huh. bogus journey. It's no. like their battle against death of Janice being like best two out of three, <laughs> best three out of five. Uh, they're playing like snakes and ladders and stuff. You know, they got the little like vibrating football guys on the field. I'm like, I got that one. I get to have duality. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's like, yeah. So here it's like uh, an ancient Roman religion is the god of beginnings. Yeah. Time. Wow. Yeah. Duality. Okay. Yeah. Endings. Whoa. Gates. Mm. Okay, frames, doorways. I don't know. We get a little here. Yeah, uh, nebulous frames and doorways <laughs> for time, Janice. <laughs> he has all right, of those. Chronos, fine. He has all of those. Yeah. I never uh, like time anyway. I have endings, so I win time. Yeah. 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 No, I think it's really interesting the Brutus stuff as he's like out there. I do. Yeah, I do like. Also, I just will say, shot excellently as to not see any sneaky little parts of tobias menzies i don't know if that I, was editing or what but we didn't see any part of i, saw I mean we saw most participles that's all i'll say uh, yeah, but yeah. it was yeah. very well done very and well like, yes excellent excellent yes yeah. naked tobias menzies with yeah. like out a lot of naked women good choice yes yeah. yeah um i like the idea of all of these like the people who are out there who have been like you know they were forced to leave because they killed caesar and there's like this like civil war ish happening between Antony and Octavian they're from like you know not the same house but Octavian you know Antony is with Antion whatever 
Um, and then like their place in this, like they like, yeah, like they want like Anthony's head on a spike, but also like the alternative is a man who's calling himself Caesar's own son, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah yep. I think that that's really interesting. And I'm, I'm intrigued to see how that all plays out. Um, should we talk about uh, Timon for a bit? Um, he, he, uh, he's going to have, he's going to see his brother, uh, Levi, uh, mingling with a man who's not exactly sure is, you know, it's funny because Timon is like very much not in like the most reputable business in Rome. No. And yet he's like, hey, you, I saw you talking to that yeah. guy. You know, well, hanging yeah. out with that shady character. And Levi is like so shady about it too. Who? What? Yeah. Any character, the man you were just talking to. Oh, don't worry about him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh gosh, oh, he's teaching this... his all of his sons Hebrew, and you know, it's you know, he's seemingly not. But this is a classic. So, I mean, this is a little of like the brother-in-law who comes to visit. This is like would be a sitcom episode of like you know, you crazy brother-in-law or brother who comes to visit. You know, yeah, cool yeah. uncle, cool who's uncle, like winning over the kids' affections yeah. while time it's like coming back from work like angry (laughs) it's really it's an interesting relationship you know i think um i think like time is a really interesting character and again just the exploration of what is the deal with the judaic like monotheistic faith in the midst of this roman like polytheistic culture right and the ways that these things crash into one another like obviously time is a free man he's a businessman he's a merchant he does not have to be here in rome we got like a little bit of the understanding like the guy's here because the money's here right like this is the center of commerce of mm-hmm. culture of civilization in that sense and so he's just trying to like do his best and he's got like not a terrible deal in the pocket of Atia. he does have to do some dark stuff but i don't know he's got a boss with benefits grace you know mm-hmm. yeah um well speaking of a boss who gets benefits it's not a very long scene but there is this a man who will learn his name is duro who is going to stop Atia's slave. Um, he's getting beat up. Atia's slave will tell them to stop beating up this man. He's looking for a job. He'll offer to deliver sexual favors for a job. And thus we're introduced to Duro, who isn't really in the rest of the episode, but is important to keep an eye on moving. moving he is important to keep an eye on. I mean, he pops up like a little bit there at the end as he's going to like uh, poison oh, yeah. the soup. Oh, right? yeah. No, I forgot. He's totally important this episode. I completely yeah. forgot. It's last episode that this thing happens where he offers yes, the favor. gets like found on the yes. street and they yes. bring him into the house. And this episode, he's like moving and shaking. He poisons yeah. the soup. He meets with Servilia. Uh, he offers yes. to poison Atia. So he goes and back. And he demands he's like, for a kiss from Servilia. Uh, I did not like little Duro. Like I felt no, bad obviously yeah. for Duro's plight. It's a really like sad thing. Duro's a slave. So we inherently feel bad for him a little bit. Then he's like a slave who's getting beat up on the streets, which is like, gosh, man, like yeah. it couldn't, I didn't think it could get a lot worse for you, but it has. Then he's a slave who's being like sexually uh, manipulated by his boss slave, which like, it's yeah. a whole bad scene for Duro. Yeah. All of these yeah. things like, but they don't absolve him of his really poor behavior. Like he's very rude when he goes to Servilia's house and demands kissing. And then he does, he tries to do a murder and gosh, Grace, what we'll a little shit. Juro we'll, is. we'll see. Yeah. He poisons the stew as acts is alone for dinner. Yeah. I was going to have stew we'll tonight, but now I'm psyched out. I no. think I got to make a lasagna instead. No. Um, yeah. We'll see if the killing works out. You think Atia goes at the beginning of uh, episode four? <laughs> Three, probably right. Yeah. The probably the assassination works and, 
that's it. Um, uh, we are in the fall of Rome, but I exist uh, on the wheel of time, so I just will yeah. say no more, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. As Janice says, there's uh, this precisely endings and beginnings. That's my other face yeah. on the back of my head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> endings and beginnings. This is not the beginning. It's a beginning. Is that what yeah, they say on Wheel yeah. of Time? Yeah, I've read yeah. a lot of those books, Rich. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk about. Um, Memio and Carbo, who come to Varenas, who is now the mob boss of the um, of the Aventine. And they're like, this is totally like we would love revenge for the fact that Carbo's nephew is being uh, forced to do this. Uh, it's like for pennies on the dollar. It's like this is the same as the lawyer who completely messed up where it's like, well, why'd you say he gets paid pennies on the dollar? Cause they, they, then Varenis is like, well, he does get paid. I'm like, Varenis, you are totally missing the point here, bro. And uh, Pulo's trying to be like, listen, they probably do have like, you know, you don't have to let him kill him, but they probably should get to do something. And he's like, nope, it will cause war. And then Varenis proceeds to make decisions that cause war. <laughs> gang warfare yes. i mean the the parallel here between like varenis and like ultimately what's going to happen to mark antony right it's kind of like interesting of like varenis is getting the good advice from his actual loyal yeah. bro that yeah. he's going to ignore which is going to like drive him into this gag war right memio yeah. is like too funny i mean this whole situation is very dark but Super the whole dark. presentation of memio like nobody has got my family without i say so you know is that memio or that's carbo who's no Car that's memio Carbo is Mamio's boss, and Mamio is yeah. the one who's like nephew is involved in this whole thing. And Carbo's explaining like Mamio is from respectable people. <laughs> it's like so good. And then ultimately, like what happens at the end that they're gonna take Mamio and like give him a swirly grace. They shove his head in the public well, toilets, right? They like, do a little bit more than I think a public swirly. I think it's implied, right? I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah, what it is implied. Okay, so here's what happened. Here's what happened. Then Memio and Carver were like, well, F Varenis' decision. We're going to go and oh, like brutally right. beat up Quintus Baba or whatever his name is. Yeah, and then, yeah. and they then Varenis. They, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, the nephew will not be able to do anything. Yeah. And, and then, and then Varenis sends Pulo out to like punish him, which he doesn't really do. And he keeps trying to be like, Hey, maybe we lessen the punishment on Memio and Carbo. Like, maybe not as bad, you know, pretty like fair response that they had to like the whole Pulo situation. The diplomat. Yeah. Like, let, yeah. Me, let me talk to Memio, man. Let me straighten it out. And then it's Maskius and his men who find uh, Memio and they, they deliver a not so. They do. You're right. Pretty brutal punishment. Yeah. I was thinking they sexually like, assault Memio. They do. Memio. Yes. Yeah. They, they absolutely. And this is part of my issue is that there's a lot more like sexual assault in season two than I felt That's like there lot. was in season one. We're dealing with like some dark themes already, yeah. you know, like we're showing up here every day to like have fun with Rome. Right. Yeah. And part of like having fun with Rome means like being okay of this, like absolute patriarchal culture that abuses women and like exploits slaves, slaves and, and yeah. owns people that murdering everybody is a bad place. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> pretty fundamentally despite all of like the culture that has transcended rome there's a lot of terrible stuff happening here but i think that we've really like increased the amount of sexual violence in a way that like i don't love you know i get the point that we're pretty gratuitous to make, this episode like, for sure yeah we're yeah. into this really like dark criminal underworld space so i get why we're doing this it's it's like you know a technique to show severity but i don't know in recent conversation i already talked about the winter king and president I, early on and breaking down that show got into a whole conversation about like what's how much needs to be shown on screen to like convey the weight of this kind of stuff so 
sometimes, you know? So I just came away from it. Like kind of the reason I'm like minimizing it and trivializing it, which I shouldn't is that Memeo isn't dead by the end of this situation, which like kind of surprised me. Like I thought they were going to come into that like public toilet and just murder the F out of Memeo. But instead they shove his head in the toilet and then they sexually assault him. And it's very dark, uh, but Yeah. And so this will lead to a confrontation between Pulo and Varenis, where Pulo is trying to like say, like a demon has possessed you, Varenis. You are a bad dude. And he's going to slip up and reveal that he knew about um, Evander and Niobe and that they killed Evander. And then in this like confrontation here, Pulo is going to say that he slept with Niobe. And so Varenis will, you know, fight him and then and then they leave and separate. In the midst of this incredible conflict between, like, our two absolute protagonists are, like, bros for life. Yeah. (laughs) Varenis and Pulo. The fact that, like, there's a really funny beat of Pulo, like, you're not going to believe me no matter what I say. Varenis like, if you speak the truth, brother, I will believe you. Okay, well, I didn't do it. I swear to you. I don't believe you. (laughs) I did not do it. You just, Varenis, like, holds the beat perfectly, Grace. The comedic timing. I was like, that's a lead level punchline right there like i don't believe you. <laughs> it was yeah, really, i don't believe you really yeah. Good. yeah yeah um yeah they are bros they were friends and now they're enemies again so yeah not great will they're they, gonna go their separate they? ways will oh, they won't man they? i love uh pulo and arena just like leaving again pulo and arena do a lot of like coming and going yeah 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 um the last thing is um, Octavian is going to send uh, his friend Agrippa, Marcus Agrippa. That's him. To... Yeah. Tom, the driver. I yeah. know Tom. Alan Leach. Yeah. From Down Nabby. I was like, I could not place him. And then I was like, ah, you're Tom. Um, our boy Tom Branson from Down Nabby is here to play Marcus Agrippa as he delivers uh, news to Octavia and Atia. And Atia is going to be upset that, you know, she basically says, I have no son. Um, and so, uh, uh, not you really much Atia. here, but you sucked on that day. Uh, yeah. You really have like created so many freaking problems, and you do have a son. And how dare you? Um, yeah, I, I, I get a kick out of like uh, Marcus Agrippa there. Yep. Yeah, I kind of, I, I don't know. It kind of felt like uh, is there Octavia Agrippa? You know, I don't know. Um, I don't know what the future is. But wide is there... eyes as he okay. came like strolling into the house. I don't think. I think that you're uh, seeing something that Rome is putting down. He, uh, there was a little bit of a, a connection there. He uh, he comes. He says, uh, "In fact, I think you're the only one he listens to." He tells Octavia. So yeah, very sweet. Yeah, um, that would be important if they were in communication, but it seems like Octavia doesn't want to say much. It's yeah. also so interesting. Again, this like um, this counterpoint of like all Atia wants is to be able to control these men who are wielding power. And right. she's thrown her lot in with Antony while them like completely destabilizing Antony's platform. Whereas like Octavia could theoretically like wield some formidable power over Octavian. And it's like, nah, I don't want really anything to do with that. I'd much rather be hanging around smoking hemp. The whole hemp smoking thing, too, really cracked me up um, because it reminded me of when I was in the Boy Scouts and and Mm. remember going on like the transition from Cub Scouts to Boy Scouts and going on one of my first Boy Scout camping trips, Grace. And all of the older kids hanging around the fire burning rope. And I was like, Mm. what are we doing here? And they're like, 
we're burning hemp. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like what these dumb 13 year old Boy Scouts thought that they were like Roman gladiators. Like, I don't Hilarious. know. It really didn't affect anything. But yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. All right. Let's put some people into the arena, Rich. You get to propose first. I think this is pretty tough. I don't know anybody has a tremendously great episode. Uh, gosh. Yeah. I got one. I got one. Maybe happens. Is it Marcus truly a Cicero? He got the episode title name. Yeah. He's, he's the words yeah. of Marcus truly a Cicero. Yeah. It was right? Cicero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was my one guy who I feel like doesn't really have anything bad happen to him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry to like steal it. I, I there, there's, no, a beat, it. there's like a very small moment at the end of like Rene and Pulo leave. Oh yeah. And then a Rene and Pulo like come right back. You know what yes. I mean? And yes. they're like, and a Rene makes this note of like all this traveling. It's ridiculous. We just went all the way to Messalia. The Aventine is like destroyed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I'm like, Messalia, where is Messalia? And I looked it up, Grace. I think Messalia is supposed to be Marseille, France. Like oh, it feels wow. like we went all the way to France wow. and came back. Like it's been a really long time. And Varenus is gone because he's like left with the legions of Mark Anthony. And they find Lighty there at the end. So Lighty does manage to like oh. escape from the slavers, which we oh. didn't acknowledge. And probably Lighty should get thrown into the Coliseum. Yeah. I'm a... Marcus Julius Cicero. Because All right, she you... freedom, right? Yeah, you nominate Cicero. I'll nominate Lighty. She does escape from slavery. She does have to leave the kids behind. She does she leave the escape. kids, which is pretty brutal. She well. like throws little Lucius behind her. Like, I don't have to be faster than the slavers. I just have to be faster than you yeah. and takes off, which is a little bit brutal. But she does get out. Do you know what? There's actually, I said there's like nobody. I feel like there's actually the other person I was thinking of is Octavia, all things considered, has a pretty good episode. She gets to smoke some hemp. She hangs out with her friend Jocasta. Uh, she meets Marcus Agrippia. Seems like a pretty fine it's true. episode. It does come up for her, but Atia like tells her absolutely no actors or gladiators <laughs> or that sort of thing in here, which I think is like a little bit of a shame. She clearly would have loved to have been hanging out with some actors, Grace. Yeah. All right. Do you want to give it to Cicero or give it to Lighty? Both first time entrants into the arena. I mean, I feel like Cicero is the one that wins uh, the day here. Yeah, you know, Cicero so. turns like Atia's petty political maneuver into a pretty big like power shift in the Roman Republic, though. Yeah. We'll see how that turns out in the long term. But I think I would give it to Cicero. I mean, I guess Lighty freed herself from slavery. That's a really big deal. For I don't mean to understate it. I know um, this is talking about like uh, the differences and like what you accomplish based on your already world. But I'm fine to give it to Cicero. It gets the, the episode title. He does. Um, he does. It's Fair. Yeah. It um it it puts him as one of only two people to have a hundred percent record if they enter the uh the arena, which is uh only Cicero and one Julius Caesar have one hundred percent records. Julius yeah. Caesar leaving with the the perfect I know. average is he, pretty. I feel like we still huh? could like if they're like in one episode they're like, well, all of this bad things are happening because of Julius Caesar. We could he could be entered and we could throw him back in yeah. there. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. All right. You have a scene you want to highlight, Rick? Yes, I absolutely do. There's a point where Mark Anthony comes back home and Atty is like, hi. I think it's after she smoked him and she's yeah. sitting in the bathtub and he just comes in and is like, wine in the bath, bad sign. <laughs> 
<laughs> and she's like, yeah. you're late. And he says, revise your expectations and I'll always be early. And it just destroyed me, Grace. It is so funny. There's something like, so you said it, but like so sitcom-y about Mark Anthony and Atia just like living their day-to-day lives yeah. and the way he's dealing with it. Like, honestly, for a murderer and like a pretty rough dude, Mark Anthony seems pretty chill. And I think that he would be able to give Atia like a life that would be really great for her. She just can't get out of her own way to see it. And this whole like revise your expectations and I'll actually always be early. It's like, oh yeah, that's great. I know podcasters like that, Grace. Yeah. yeah it's very right. funny. Yeah. Um I th- I think maybe I do I do like Cicero being like I refuse your notion. Would you like to threaten me now? <laughs> threatening him <laughs> is pretty good. I think I'll I think I'll put that as maybe my favorite my favorite line. Um, favorite moment of the episode. All right. That is season two, episode three. These being the words of Marcus Tullius Cicero. And we'll be back tomorrow with episode four, which does have a Latin name. So I'll save to pronounce it tomorrow, but it's basically tortoise in the hair. Uh, yes, rich. we love yeah. the tortoise in the hair. Who's yeah. the tortoise? Who's the hair? We'll see. Um, until then, Rich, where can people find you? Uh, I'm at DM Philly and all the places out there on the internet. Um, and I'll be at home tonight eating my stew. So yeah, I should be here. Careful. Um, I am on socials. I'd hide from grace or echo for grace. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Rome as we talk about Rome every single day.